You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hello and welcome to a post-typhoon edition of the Inside China podcast. My name is Holly Chick, talking to you from the offices of the South China Morning Post here in Hong Kong. And like many of the 7 million residents here, I spent yesterday inside at home as a typhoon passed us by to the south, bringing strong winds and torrential rain to the city. But further north, in mainland China, there's a much bigger storm continuing to develop, and it's far from perfect. Last week, you heard me speak about the power crisis affecting homes and businesses across China. This week, I'm going to take you to a city in southwest China, not too far from the border with Laos and Vietnam, which Chinese people know as the City of Eternal Spring. But as of yesterday, it's now making world headlines as the home of the Kunming Declaration on Global Biodiversity. As the Chinese saying goes, all beings flourish when they live in harmony and receive nourishment from nature. This is China's President Xi Jinping speaking via translator at the Kunming Conference. Biodiversity makes Earth full of vigor and vitality and lays the foundation for human survival and development. When we take care to protect nature, nature rewards us generously. When we exploit nature ruthlessly, it punishes us without mercy. The world's largest biodiversity conference in a decade is underway in southern China. Kunming is hosting the United Nations COP15 conference. The Kunming Declaration was adopted in southwest China's Yunnan province. The declaration includes commitments to help fund conservation in developing countries. President Xi Jinping has pledged to inject more than $230 million into a new fund to help efforts in developing countries. And then, we're going to China's oldest industrial heartland, referred to as now the Rust Belt, in the far northeast of China, bordering North Korea, where huge factories powered by even bigger coal-fired electric power plants are still dealing with power restrictions and cuts as coal shortages continue. Let me just give you a brief outline of the extremes of temperature this week in China. In the city of Kunming, we had the COP15 conference on biodiversity, where more than 100 countries pledged to put the protection of habitats at the heart of their government decision-making. The organizers of the conference used a short film about the famous wandering elephants of Yunnan to open proceedings. But protecting biodiversity is not just about trying to save the elephants, the pandas, the pink dolphins, and the cute and fairy koalas. Biodiversity means ecosystems that support human life. Healthy forests mean clean air. And don't forget, more than half of the global population rely on nature for their income and their livelihoods. More importantly, this meeting comes 11 years after a similar international meeting in Japan, which laid down 20 biodiversity targets for the year 2020, and not one of them has been met. But while world leaders and ambassadors were meeting in Kunming, something was happening southwest of China's capital, Beijing. Continuous downpours have triggered floods in Shanxi province. With unrelenting rain since the start of October, Shanxi is said to be experiencing the worst autumn flooding in history. Floods have disrupted the lives of 1.76 million residents from 76 counties, cities and districts. It's what we've come to know as an extreme weather event. Huge floods in Shanxi province 
with reports of millions of people affected. But there was something else you should know about Shanxi. Last year, the coal mines in Shanxi province produced more than 1 billion tons of coal. Last week, 98 coal mines in Shanxi were asked to increase their output by 53 million tons as China continues to struggle with power outages and problems with its reliance on coal-powered electricity. But now, those mines are closed until further notice. Two days before China's President Xi Jinping made his address in Kunming, he attended another meeting in Beijing, but this one was for a Chinese audience. It was the meeting of the National Energy Commission, attracting a huge amount of interest as homes and factories across China continue to be hit by rolling blackouts to power supply. And a statement from the meeting of the National Energy Commission made very clear what their plan is. China's stepping up its use of coal for power. Energy security should be the premise on which a modern energy system is built, and the capacity for energy self-supply should be enhanced. Given the predominant place of coal in the country's energy and resource endowment, it is important to optimize the layout for the coal production capacity. Build advanced coal-fired power plants as appropriate in line with development needs and continue to phase out outdated coal plants in an orderly fashion. Just weeks before the COP26 conference in Glasgow, where 120 countries will meet to see if they can agree on limiting carbon emissions. As we might say in Chinese, feng yu ru pan, there is wind and rain sweeping across a gloomy sky. It's a grim and grave situation. Let's go to Kunming, where my colleague at Cochet has been filing stories on the COP15 conference. Echo, world headlines are featuring the word Kunming. It's the city in the southwestern province of Yunnan. But there's not been much about what the actual city is like. Can you tell us about it? Sure. Kunming is the capital of China's southwestern province of Yunnan, and it is famed as the city of eternal spring, which means because of the temperature and the climate here, it allows the plants and the flowers to bloom all the year round. So still, right now, it is autumn, and I can see the green leaves and the trees on the streets. Wow, that's why it's called Chuncheng. Yeah, yeah. What's the mood like in Kunming right, right now? The meeting is very busy. There are a lot of restrictions. So right now I'm sitting in my hotel and watching online conference and writing stories. And I also um, went down the streets and talked to local people. You know, in Kunming, at a crossroad in the city, there is a big 3D screen featuring elephants and the green peacocks on the screen. And it is the third biggest uh, 3D screen in China. So one day I went there and uh, watched the video. And uh, local residents told me they were expected uh, for this conference because of the richness of biodiversity in Kunming and in, in the Yunnan province. And they want to show the world as well as to hear what other people think and to see the biodiversity conservation efforts globally. 
Right, Echo. I'm sure you're not the only one who's joining virtually or from a hotel room because none of the overseas leaders could actually travel to China. So why don't we talk about the keynote speech from President Xi Jinping about the biodiversity agreement? What were the main points in the speech? Well, there are several main points. First of all, President Xi said China would donate 1.5 billion yuan to set up a new fund to help developing countries to protect biodiversity. And I think this is the first time China made such pledge. And secondly, President Xi also announced the official establishment of China's first bench of national parks. Uh, Those parks had some of the pilots National parks started uh, since 2015, but this is the first official establishment. And that includes one national park on the Tibetan Plateau, the giant panda national park in Sichuan province in southwestern China. And there is a Siberian tigers and a more leopards national park in northeastern China. And thirdly, um, President Xi also mentioned efforts to accelerate the development of solar and wind power in China. And he announced that the first phase of such projects with a combined installed uh, capacity of 100 gigawatts has begun uh, construction recently. So China is going to establish a first batch of national parks. Is that a big deal? Yes, it is a big deal. China started the pilot national parks since 2015, and it learned this idea from the United States. Because national parks is kind of the highest protection for biodiversity and wildlife, as well as it shows the combination between human and nature. And uh, in some areas, it can also boost tourism, but at the same time, to conserve biodiversity. So, Akko, you have written a story on the solar and wind power big projects that are coming up. Are there any details that you can share with us? Sure. So China is already leading the world in renewable energy, and it is aiming to build more solar and wind power projects. And the projects mentioned by President Xi at the conference actually A large amount of them located in the Gobi deserts in northwestern China, for example, Gansu provinces in Mongolia, as well as uh, Xinjiang. And she pledged to increase China's installed wind and solar capacity to 1,200 gigawatts by 2030. And after his pledge, a lot of provinces aimed to build some big renewable power plants in their provinces in the 40s five-year plan through 2025. So we can see a lot of such projects are designing and some of them have started construction in the provinces in northeastern China, as well as some coastal provinces such as Fujian or Guangdong or Jiangsu provinces. For example, Fujian and the Jiangsu provinces have planned offshore wind farms with an installed capacity of 10 gigawatts through 2025. So what's been the response to these big announcements? Uh, what are analysts and your sources telling you? 
First of all, I think the comments I got from conservationists or analysts are it is a signal of China's leadership in biodiversity conservation. And secondly, they mentioned that China is really working hard to make sure we have a successful post-2020 biological diversity framework because parties to the conservation on biological diversity failed to meet the previous targets in 2010 made in Aichi, Japan. So that China is working hard and want to make sure that we will have a ambitious, realistic, and successful post-2020 biodiversity framework. Echo, the Kunming Declaration is still a plan. It's words, right? How is it going to work? Well, I think Kunming Declaration has really good plans, but implementation is also important. And uh, in some provinces, we can see there's still some problems in the implementation. For instance, an NGO in Guangdong had a report this September, and it found that 104 projects funded by national or provincial governments actually violated protected areas. So that is what is happening in the provinces. And uh, I think this is the area where we need to keep working on to make improvements. Echo, there's still one more day to go at the COP15 conference in Kunming. And you're still there. We'll look for your reports at scmp.com. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. There's still a lot of questions to be answered about the announcements made in Kunming. China says... It will donate 1.5 billion yuan, that's about 230 million US dollars, to help developing nations protect their plants and wildlife. But there's no details as to how this will actually work. But what about the good news? China is now going to develop national parks. 149 years after US President Ulysses S. Grant signed legislation to create the Yellowstone National Park. In some ways, it's a start of a new era in China. Makes you wonder if China will develop their own park ranges and if there will be a Chinese version of Smokey the Bear. Maybe Smokey the Panda. As for the Kunming Agreement itself, what does it mean? Australia signed up to the global target of protecting 30% of the world's lands and ocean by 2030 but made zero commitment to actually doing anything for its own land and oceans. And its Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, the leader who brought a lump of coal into the national parliament and stroked it lovingly. Does he still want to sell billions of tons of coal to China while also demanding that China lowers its emissions? That's a lot of questions. There's one thing we do know though. Winter is coming to mainland China and we're about to head to the far northeast to find out what people are saying and how they're preparing as the temperatures begin to drop and the coal supply continues to run low. As critical news stories emerging from China continue to shape lives and business around the world, the weekly SCMP Global Impact Newsletter brings you expert analyses and insights on the economics of COVID-19, society, technology, and the environment. Sign up to receive your weekly email at scmp.com newsletters. 
CCG works on the political economy desk and has been reporting on how the ongoing power outages have been affecting the Liaoning province. To give you an idea of where that is, the capital of Liaoning is Shenyang, and it's about seven hours' drive northeast of Beijing. Sichi, you grew up in Liaoning province. For people listening to us in the U.S., Europe, and Australia, tell us a little bit about Liaoning and its capital city. Uh, sure, Liaoning is located in the northeast of China, and it borders North Korea. It used to be a very important heavy industrial base of China, especially in the first few decades after the People's Republic of China was established. So it was given a name called. The eldest son of the republic, just to show its important status for the economy or industrial development of the whole country. But since the reform and opening in the 1980s, the economic status of the province has been less and less important, especially compared to coastal or southern export-oriented provinces such as Guangdong and Jiangsu. And now, together with uh, Heilongjiang and Jilin, the other two provinces in the northeast, the region is usually referred to as the Rust Belt of the country. Liaoning has been one of the hardest hit areas in China from this power cuts. What's been happening there? And actually, the power outages have not just affected Liaoning. The other two northeastern provinces, Heilongjiang and Jilin, are also badly affected. And unlike many other provinces in China, which have also implemented uh, power rationing measures, the crisis in the northeast has gone further because the power rationing measures adopted in other parts of the country are planned electricity cut with notice in advance. And they're usually only for uh, industrial use. But millions of households in the Northeast have been shrouded in the shadow of sudden blackouts uh, since mid-September. And the reason why Liaoning caught people's attention, I think that was partially because of uh, some incidents in late September when the rolling blackouts first happened in the region. And information about it was spreading quickly on social media. For example, on September 23rd, some traffic lights in Xianyang suddenly stopped working, causing severe traffic jams. And one day later, a power outage in Liaoyang, another city in the province, even led to carbon monoxide poisoning of 23 workers in a metal pond. Yeah, we reported um, that story on SCMP.com. It's a terrible story. 23 welders died of carbon monoxide poisoning because ventilation fans stopped working after power cuts. Sichi, you've been talking to people across Liaoning since then. What's the situation right now and what are you hearing from people there? Yeah, actually, uh, for some people based in Liaoning that I talked to, they say that the outages has been much better in recent days. But if you look at Weibo or other social media, uh, there are still lots of people complaining about a sudden power cut without any notice in advance. So I would say that it really depends on the different cities. For some cities, they haven't seen a sudden power cut maybe for a few days, but for many others, especially in the rural areas, 
the situation is still quite severe right now. I talked to a seafood seller based in Liaoning, and he said the freezer in his shop stopped working for a few hours, and he had to sell all the seafood he had that day on the second day at a much lower prices. So that's how the power cut has uh, been impacting the biz- local business as well as the local households. A lot of people are saying that maybe they just put their rice in the rice cooker and suddenly the power got cut. So there are a lot of inconvenience in the households. What are you hearing about the forecast for these outages? How long do people think they're going to last? Actually, I talked to a Liaoning-based employee from State Grid, which is China's state-owned electric utility corporation. And uh, he said that such large-scale rolling blackouts had not been seen in the region since the 90s. And the major reason for the energy crisis is the dwindling supply of power in the region, uh, first of all, is the shortage of coal, which is currently a nationwide problem, but it is even more prominent in the Northeast, uh, which heavily relies on coal for both electricity and upcoming heating season. So that some coal should be reserved for the freezing cold uh, winter that is already on the way. At the same time, wind farms, another increasingly important source of power for the region, have also been idle due to recent uh, weather conditions. Meanwhile, the skyrocketing prices of coal has further suppressed the incentives of the power plants as the electricity rates are kept at low uh, levels by the government. So the employee told me that the power plants could lose more than 0.1 yuan, which is uh, 1.6 cents in US dollars by generating each kilowatt of electricity. On Monday, Liaoning issued a second highest level of power shortage alert, which was the fifth one within two weeks, indicating a power shortage equivalent to 10 to 20 percent of total demand for power. So I would say that despite the government's efforts to boost coal supply and restrict industrial electricity use, the power crunch in the region seems to be far from coming to an end. Wow, Shiji, you mentioned the heating season um, that is about to commence in the region. It's now mid-October. When does it start getting really, really cold in northeastern China? Uh, because there are three provinces in uh, northeast China. And so each province and each city, they have different schedule for the heating season. I guess for Liaoning, starting from uh, early November, it will be really cold. And But for Heilongjiang, which is the northmost province in China, it is already quite cold right now. When you say quite cold, I live in Hong Kong, and some of our listeners live in Sydney and L.A. What does quite cold mean in northeastern China? Sometimes uh, wearing a Canada goose is not enough. <laughs> you have to put uh, heating pads. Like if you stay too long outdoor, especially in cities like Harbin or other cities in Heilongjiang, you have to take heating pads around your body when you go out. So, so I don't think I'm going to go to Liaoning during the winter. And I'm also going to have to explain to the Australians who work here that a Canada goose is a brand of clothing, not an animal that people wear when it's cold. You mentioned some of the things that you had seen on Chinese social media about what people are saying about the power cuts, with the cold winter now coming to northeastern China, 
Are people concerned about having power for this coming heating season? Yeah, for sure. Actually, uh, although both the central government and the local government have stressed that the household power supply as well as the heating season uh, must be guaranteed uh, as much as possible, it seems that a lot of people are still really worried about the current situation and a lot of people are still experiencing rolling blackouts in the past few days. For example, on Weibo, uh, which is China's Twitter, complains uh, with the hashtag uh, Northeast Power Rationing continue to appear. Uh, for example, a user from Jilin said two days ago, quote, it feels like I go back to 20 years ago, but can the government at least issue some notice in advance of the power cut? No more surprise attacks, please, end quote. We're now just over two weeks away from the conference of world leaders in Scotland that will either seal our fate for climate change or seal the deal on limiting carbon emissions. Meanwhile, China has more pressing problems, like how to keep the lights on, its people warm, and its factories operating. And what's China's problem is also the world's problem. Interruptions to global supply chains are now making front page headlines, and there is an increasing sense of urgency about the need for all nations to work together to solve this wicked problem. We're publishing new videos, new infographics in the lead up to the COP26 conference in Glasgow. And as always, the latest news and the best analysis at scmp.com. My name is Holly Chick. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you next week.